You're listening to The Real Enneagram Podcast, a spiritual quest brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. Welcome back to a podcast entitled The Real Enneagram. A spiritual quest. Thank you for joining us today. This is going to be a really great podcast. Today I have with me the great and wonderful Dr. Joseph Howell. Of course, myself, Erica Jobes, and then we also have Reverend Ed Bacon with us, and we're really excited about that. We are currently at Camp McDowell in, or close to Jasper, Alabama, and we just finished having a fall conference put on by the Institute for Conscious Being, and the conference title was Unlock Your Soul. And that's what we were trying to do through teaching the spirituality of the Enneagram. Our guest and keynote speaker was Reverend Ed Bacon, and we were all excited to have him back. I guess the last time you were with us was in Canuga, North Carolina in 2018, 2019, one of those. It's been a couple of years. It was pre-COVID. So he came and spoke with us and... I distinctly remember some of your teachings about meditations and carried that with me through the last couple of years and how to drop down into soul. So it's been a wonderful experience having you back. So Dr. Howell, I'm going to turn it over to you. What would you like to talk about today? Well, I would just like to mention that, you know, one of the reasons we're so honored to have Ed with us is because he has been a major thought leader and spiritual guide to many groups and organizations in this country besides the Episcopal Church to which he belongs and is a priest. He also has a tremendous successful past of shepherding churches like in Jackson, Mississippi and in Pasadena, California. And those are history in and of themselves of what he did to transform people's lives in those parishes. And several people from those parishes have made it here to Jasper, Alabama today because entirely because they were drawn to Ed and wanted to reconnect. So, Ed, I'm thankful for you. And I appreciate your being here and vulnerable and being a student as well as a teacher with us. Thanks, Joe. Great to be with you and great to be with you, Erica. It has been a great experience for me to be here. I am not accepting all my invitations these days, and I really knew that I needed to accept this invitation because the focus was going to be on unlocking your soul. And I really wanted to go to school on that. I love to learn. I love to teach in order to learn. I don't teach to necessarily impart stuff, but to learn stuff and hopefully present material that's transformative for others and myself. So I really had fun going deep into some of my favorite thinkers about soul and what soul means to them. And some of these thinkers are 21st century thinkers, which for me is really important because I don't like the Christianity that is rooted and uh, paralyzed 
in a Newtonian physics paradigm. I think it's really important for Christianity and for all religion to be children of the 20th century and the 21st century science. And so I love Einstein, St. Albert Einstein. I have, a, I have a bobblehead of his that is a solar-powered thing, and he's always kind of pointing to his head over and over and over again when he's in the sun. Uh, because he taught us that matter is, at its essence, energy. And I believe that we live in a vibrational universe and that we need to have a faith that is a vibrational faith. And you all have a great vibe. And I love being in the vibe of the Institute for Conscious Being. I also like to flip that around. I call you all the Institute for Being Conscious also. <laughs> and uh, so it's been really great. I've had a great time. So thank you. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Yes. Well, I know you're not an Enneagram scholar. No. And you don't pretend to be because you're still learning about it. And I think have gotten a very good grasp. I remember several years ago, you came over to my house and we sat on my back porch and I taught you and you've been learning about it ever since. So if you take what you know about the Enneagram and if you take what you know about soul, how would you conceptualize those two things together? Well, you're stimulating in me a desire, Joe, to answer by a prefatory remark. <laughs> so I'll tell you when I'm out of the prefatory remark to give the answer to you. But one of my favorite theologians is Elia Delio, who is a scientist, uh, a historian of religion. And she is giving 21st century expression to the theology of Pierre Teilhard de Chardin who also was a scientist and a theologian. And she talks about how folks who are alive these days are actually open systems. And by that, she means that these persons are open to the evolutionary vibrational universe that's going on and that evolution is actually working in all of us. And the problem with institutions these days who are set up to support persons in their lives are not being supportive because they are committed to being a closed system rather than an open system. So it's really wonderful to be in the midst here of all of y'all. It's really, really clear that ICB is an open system and it's evolving. So I just want to preface my remarks by saying that you all are at the soul of the ICB. Y'all are evolving. And so I felt invited vibrationally, pardon me for using that word over and over again, but I felt like there was some kind of vibrational limitation to bring my own open systemness into this. So now to answer your question. <laughs> I love the fact that you all, and I'm, I'm saying that because I'm not an Enneagram scholar, and I'm probably not going to become an Enneagram <laughs> scholar because I've got a whole bunch of other agenda sure. stuff going on. Nevertheless, I read a lot about the Enneagram, and I, as an eight, have been the beneficiary of a therapist who worked with a group of us who insisted on our 
taking the Enneagram test, paying some money to take the Enneagram test, and the Myers-Briggs, and she integrated all of this. And I learned that I'm an eight, not a three. People have always said, oh, you have three energy, and I probably do, but I really am an eight. Nevertheless, so as I've grown and changed and evolved in understanding what the Enneagram is, I have been thrilled that you all are emphasizing the soul child Enneagram number as a way of being a whole person. And if you stay with your Enneagram ego type, then you are interfering with your wholeness because that is the ego presentation of your being rooted in a child wound and that developed to protect your child's soul and that maturity and the evolutionary journey toward wholeness is about moving toward another number. And the Enneagram teaches us what number it is for whatever ego Enneagram number it is. For me, an eight to get redeemed, healed, more of service is to go toward two, to be a helper. And so that has really been attractive to me that you all are about that business, which I think is offers a different take than most Enneagram books and like thinking. So I know that you and Erica share the same ego type and share, of course, the same soul type, which would be at point two in the energies of being benevolent. <clears throat> Sacred benevolence is the soul type uh, name. And I'd like to know, like Erica, what was it like being with somebody who is further along the road less traveled, Ed, and gone to that too? Because I've seen you two in some private conversations. Mm -hmm. So what was it like? Well, I uh, only know prior to this conference, Ed from afar, and I know that he's written a book the Eight Habits of Love. I know that he was, he worked for Oprah Winfrey for 18 months and was on her Super Soul Sunday. And I know he's just like the man, you know. And so, you know, the very first time we interacted this conference, I was holding my four-month-old and Ed came up and was very connected, very engaged with the baby. Not very eight-like, very warm I guess are the words I'm trying to use in the way he initially engaged with me. Often eights, when they engage each other, the energy tends to repel because I'm going to be stronger than you, (laughs) or you're not going to be the chief dog here. I am, or whatever. And and I often see that at conferences, if we even have an eight, which we often don't, because eights don't need help, according to them, (laughs) you know, often we'll find ourselves at opposite ends of the room. The energy repels. That absolutely did not happen with Ed. Right away, felt very connected. And then one of the things that really stood out to me about you was, and I've already said this to him, so I'm not going to surprise him, is he came to this conference instead of being the man and the mentor and the, you know, the Yoda of it all. I really feel like he was a student and he really opened himself up to learn. He took a lot of notes. 
He was very engaged in listening and asking questions. And so a lot of our talks are really good. And of course, I had questions for him and he did, you know, did some teaching for me, to me, and and some helping. It was very much, I think, both of us living with the amalgamation of the wisdom of the eight, because we're both direct. We both get straight to the point. We both don't whine. We both, we still have that strength and that directness about us. And I think we also both were living a little bit out of soul this weekend and being very connected, not being intimidated by each other, that sort of thing. How did you feel about that? Well, absolutely. I'm applauding everything, every word you said. And would add that we are, we really like direct people. And we also don't enjoy people who butter you up. And I get no buttering up from you. It's just (laughs) distilled direct, justice-oriented growth interest. And I love to be with people like you in whose presence I have epiphanies about myself and about the world. I think the deepest epiphanies we have are always about both self and the world and the way the world works. And The epiphany that I had with you, I had many epiphanies with you because sometimes we were the only people at the table. (laughs) There was one other eight who came in and out. Was that I spent 21 years as the rector of a large church in Pasadena, California, All Saints, and the largest church in the West, Western United States. And it's large because, I say it's large because, its mission is a very in-your-face peace and justice mission. So that I was preaching every Sunday peace and justice agenda items. I tried to do it pastorally, but what was leading was the peace and justice agenda, which interestingly enough I think is an eight agenda, you know, by God, if... Mm -hmm. We want there to be institutional and personal peace and justice. And that's kind of, that's pretty much the way we define integrity. Mm-hmm. There ain't no integrity unless it's about peace and justice and the inclusion of everybody and blah, 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 blah. So the champion, being the champion of justice and of people who have gotten the short end of the stick in terms of peace and justice, that was the agenda. Then I retired, and Hope and I, my wife Hope and I, moved to Birmingham, where our daughter and her family, two of our grandchildren, live. And soon thereafter, I was called to the church where I had been trained and ordained to be the interim rector. Because of COVID, it turned out to be two and a half years rather than 18 months. And then they found their new rector, who's just amazingly wonderful and successful. And that church needed not for me to be an eight, an ego eight. It needed for me to be a two. And without knowing all the soul child stuff and all that, because I just went to school on that in order to be a keynoter here at this conference, (laughs) I went to the two, I think, pretty instinctively and intuitively, and it really worked. 
because I was preaching. I didn't abandon the peace and justice agenda by any means, but I was preaching the big tent agenda. Mm -hmm. You belong. Mm -hmm. Even though you got up in the middle of my sermon last Sunday and left, and which happened mm -hmm. in Atlanta, and even though you've been in my office screaming at me with your carotid arteries flaring <laughs> because you think I'm too beating the drum too much about sy systemic racism, you still belong just as much as I belong. And I think that's a two posture to say, I'm here to help you and I'm here to do everything I can to help you understand that this tent is for you. And it was very successful. There was an awful lot of healing that took place. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's my new, is that my new, I'm wondering, is that my new hallmark for integrity? Mm -hmm. Is that from whatever soul child position you are, or even your ego position on the Enneagram, are you living in the interest of wholeness? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And, you know, you and I talked about this a little bit before, and you said during those two and a half years, it was a wonderful experience for you. And I imagine that was because in a large way, you were living out of essence. Perfect. Could, I couldn't express it better. Yeah. So you have, you know, the strength of the two, the ability to be a strong leader, the ability to be direct, to be decisive. But when you take that wisdom of the eight and you let the soul lead, which is nurturing and loving and compassionate, and also at the two, we often can read the room and see what their needs are in some ways better than they understand themselves. And you put those two things together and that's an amazing, an amazing priest and rector and leader of a, of a church. And then just to go on to, to round this out, both of you all know that my wife has been in a health crisis since August 18. And so for now two months, she and I have been focused on getting her whole. She had heart surgery, which was a success, but then she had a horrible case of delirium. And then everybody whose brain goes on a heart-lung machine, their brain has to be put to sleep for more than three hours and on the heart-lung machine for 80 minutes. And as one of her physicians told her, all of her neurons were put to sleep. And so they are waking up. And so my job has been, it's been really great. It, was, it happened after I had left this interim rectorship and I had no work other than the wholeness of my wife, which I understood was the wholeness of me, which I understood was the wholeness of our family because our kids, our adult kids were in, and it was really clear that they were getting healed to the degree that she was because we're all one another. And my job was to serve that project. And I am thinking now that when I think about all my ministries, I will think about the four churches I've been rector or dean of, and the interim rectorship, and this ministry with my wife. Mm -hmm. And it will be, in my reflection, just as important for the health of the universe to get her back to her wholeness, or to her new level of wholeness, as all the others. Mm -hmm. 
That's good. And I know you mentioned to me that one of the nurses said to you one day, you know, every time you are here in the room with your wife, it's calming to her. And we talked a lot about presence. And, you know, you've mentioned this vibrational energy that we emit. And I can imagine the union between husband and wife and the connection that you already have from a physics, a quantum theory perspective, how, you know, she felt that as you entered the room, how it was calming to every neuron, every cell, every cardiac cell in her body. And for you to be able to live out of essence, to connect in that way with her, as opposed to what, as an eight, you and I talked about what we'd like to do is tell everybody off. Don't talk to me like that. I'll visit when I want to. <laughs> Not necessarily by the visiting hours, you know, and, and to really take charge and, and control. And, and you talked a lot about how you had to remember Joe, we talked about the eight's holy idea is holy truth and how we're not separate. And we're not separate from that person who is maybe behaving in a very immature fashion. And anyway, you know, listening to you talk about that, I can imagine how your essence was very healing to her. And, and after having that experience, being able to take that with you into other difficult situations... Well, the holy truth idea that you've taught me today, Joe, you and I had a, a lovely, wonderful, long telephone conversation recently in which you just unpacked it all again for me. And I was in a new place to learn what I didn't absorb when I was on your porch in Anniston two or three years earlier. And I took very careful notes in this telephone conversation. And this business of our holy idea, mm-hmm. being truth, and that the way that cashes out is that we are all one and we are all one another and we are a part of one another. Another way that cashes out, which is not typical for an eight so much, is that everybody else really has something to teach you. Yeah. And you can learn something from everybody, Mm -hmm. even I wrote a book about fear and love and how fear is the opposite of love and how you can get paralyzed in fear and it'll keep you from your true self and eight ways to get yourself out of the fear house into the house of love. And the rehabilitation hospital that my wife Hope had to go to for the last 14 days of her 28 days in hospitals Two days after she went in, they had a COVID outbreak. Mm. And when I got back from my daily break that afternoon, I could feel panic, which I understand. Because these people were trying to keep people who were not, patients who were not COVID, not COVID. And Hope was one of those. And so one of the sweetest people in the world who was keeping the desk and i.e. keeping the security of the system there said you can't come in because no more visitors and i got into my ego eight (laughs) huffiness and i said um i think if you check (laughs) i hope i was kinder than this but here was this was the energy i think if you'll check you will find out that the truth is that i am on the list of people who could come in 
And that person checked the list, and there was my name. He said, oh, no. He says, no longer are you a visitor. You are now called by us a caregiver. Well, that was an epiphany. I mean, what if everybody in the world understood that their job is no longer to be a visitor, but to be a caregiver? Oh, yeah. Wow. You get it? Yeah. I mean, that's big. So here I was being taught by a system that was paralyzed by fear mm-hmm. and by a paradigm that was not serving their kind of being, I don't know, flexible. But even their fear was teaching me that I had a new way of living. Yeah, and Joe, I have to tell you kind of something Ed and I talked about this weekend too. We were talking about the virtue of the eight being innocence, like the idea of simplicity. And Ed said to me, could that, could that mean, because you, you, obviously the opposite of that is the passion of arrogance, And Ed said to me, could that mean that innocence mean being like a learner, being able to learn from every person we come in contact with? And I thought, wow, that is such an amazing way to put it because that is the opposite of arrogance. Arrogance says, I have nothing to learn from you. In fact, you're really on my nerves right now. You know, and innocence says no matter who we come in contact with, whether it be the man at the desk at the paralyzed institution or, you know, whoever that person is, our holy idea, we're not separate. Mm -hmm. We are connected. And our virtue of innocence is not only are we not separate, but we know we can learn something from you if we live out of that virtue, if we live out of essence. Learn from absolutely everyone. Mm-hmm. That is such a humbling mm-hmm. posture, you know, that the person who in my ego state would be the least attractive person for me, for somebody who's written about fear all my life and preached about anxiety all my life, is somebody who's kind of paralyzed in anxiety. And my understanding of neuroscience is that when you are chronically anxious, the blood flows away from your prefrontal cortex and only is serving your limbic system and that reptilian brain of ours, which can't think. It can only react. Mm -hmm. So reactivity can't do anything. Now, for an eight who is trying to be redeemed and in touch with their soul, to say even a lizard person can teach me something. That's real. Now, I'm not sure I'm there, (laughs) but I've got the glimpse of it. I do have a vision that I could get off my high horse even about anxiety, chronically anxious people. Wow, that's good. What do you think, Joe? Well, I've tremendously enjoyed this. Um, I think we could do a sequel, maybe Son of, <laughs> uh, and uh, could go on and on. But I just want to thank both of you for the honesty and authenticity that you've been able to give this audience today. Mm-hmm. Well, I can't say enough about how much I've enjoyed being with both of you. So thank you. Rev Ed, for being with us. Your presence has just absolutely been delightful. Mm. And I just want to welcome you 
to come back anytime your heart so desires. We'd love to spend time with you and be with you again. And to our listeners, remember that if you have any questions or comments, you can email us at therealenneagram at gmail.com. You can also find us at theicb.org. We have on our website a list of events and future conference dates if you're interested. We also have a place where you can sign up to get Dr. Howell's daily prayer, which is part of my spiritual practice and I think a wonderful thing. I want to mention again that the Reverend Ed Bacon is the author of The Eight Habits of Love and that Dr. Joseph Howell is the author of Becoming Conscious, the Enneagram Secret Pathway. Sorry, excuse me. And I am not an author, sadly, Uh so... You will not be getting any of my writings. But anyway, (laughs) so (laughs) thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to being with you next time. That wraps up another episode of The Real Enneagram, brought to you by the Institute for Conscious Being. If you're interested in furthering these conversations, please reach out to us through our Instagram, at The Real Enneagram. Or if you're interested in our upcoming trainings or other resources, please visit our website, www.instituteforconsciousbeing.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.